it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. You receive 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you you bet. You win. You get paid. Bet U.S. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Saturday in Jacksonville provided the latest exclamation of how dominant UGA has been this season. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Monday, and I hope everybody is just having a fantastic start to your week. I know I am, so wherever you're listening, I appreciate you getting in, and I believe today is actually it's, it is official. Uh, the 55th stick carrying the show has uh, lit the lamp, so yay for us. Uh, nine states, 55 sticks every single day dealing out some college football talk, so thank you. Uh, I said Saturday in Jacksonville where Georgia just opened a can on Florida. I said that's the latest exclamation of how dominant UGA has been this season. If we go back to the fourth quarter of Saturday's game, about seven and a half minutes left. Georgia's got the ball. They're up 27 zip, and they have crossed the midfield stripe. Well, Stetson Bennett lets loose on a pass, and he gets intercepted, and now you have Florida – with seven minutes and 20 seconds left. Not that Georgia didn't score to make it 30. Georgia didn't score to make it 34 or 35. Georgia turned the ball over. 
And with seven minutes and 20 seconds left, Florida takes over on its own 11-yard line and goes to work. Now, that can mean a lot of things in football. But you're down at that point again. It's still, quote, just 27 to nothing. You're not going to win. In fact, I could have said, Dan, I'm going to give you the ball four straight times. All you, if you score four, they don't get the ball. It's like make it, take it. They still wouldn't have won. And so Florida starts on its own 11-yard line and goes on a drive. With seven minutes remaining, it played out very clearly that Dan Mullen's only goal was to not get shut out. And that is a goal to have at various times. It's not supposed to be the goal when you're the Florida coach. And with seven minutes left, Dan Mullen's only objective, the only thing he cared about at that point was to not get shut out. Now, I choose my words. I try to choose my words so that they reflect what I'm saying. I didn't say his only goal was to score. The only goal every time you have the football, except when you're trying to run out the clock, the only goal is to score every time. This wasn't like any other time when it was the first series against FAU or the third series against Bama or any time Saturday. Every time you get the ball, hey, what's offensive play caller? What's the goal? We'll score. Uh-uh. His goal was to not get shut out. The mostly more responsible ball with the ball quarterback, the more predictable quarterback was in. All the other starters were still in, and Mullen was not trying to hurry up and get back in the game. He was, he was trying to not have part of his legacy be the 2021 game that when you look on Wikipedia in like 2044 and you look at the LSU, I mean the, uh, the Georgia-Florida series, and you go, wait, we got shut – Oh, that was the ah, that was Mullen that year. That's what he was coaching for. If you don't believe me, I promise you, you will still occasionally hear an LSU fan like you'll be looking through the LSU Florida series. We got beat fifty-eight to three by Florida. What is this? Nineteen ninety-three. Then the pause and oh yeah, Curly Hallman. Dan Mullen was trying to avoid being linked conversationally, at least, with Curly Hallman. Clemson has that. Wait a minute. We lost whatever to South Carolina. Oh, Tommy West. Texas. Dan, John Makovic. Oh, we lost that. Oh, that was Makovic. That's right. Yeah, one of them at Big 12, though. James Brown, the hardest working quarterback in the conference. <laughs> there are plenty of others, folks. And as of Saturday, the latest is Dan Mullen. With seven minutes and 20 seconds left, got the ball on his own 11-yard line, used about 70% of the remaining time, 10 plays, 89 yards in four minutes and 53 seconds, and it was not giddy-up time. It wasn't. It was Emory Jones running the more predictable, mostly more responsible with the football, 10-play, 89-yard, five-minute touchdown drive when you were down by four touchdowns. That's what it was. So I will say, Dan Mullen, for the first 53 minutes, you did not achieve any of your goals. For the final seven minutes, yes, you checked the box. You didn't get shut out. 
to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year, it's all college football on Chuck Oliver Show. And November's a pretty good time to talk college football. Georgia Bulldogs 34, Florida Gators 7. And there was not one minute of that entire – it was scoreless in the first quarter. There was not one minute of that entire game where I ever thought that Georgia would do anything but win by a bunch. Um, Florida's a good program, and I believe they're well-coached. Florida fans don't. We're on in Gainesville. Y'all don't want to hear that this morning. Um, They're well-coached. One through 85, that's a talented roster. There are a lot of Saturdays where it looks like the opponent isn't doing the same thing as Georgia. Like it, 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 there's, it, it, it's just not. And this is not a you know four-touchdown sort of series, and that's the kind of game it was, and it absolutely was. And like I said, there wasn't one moment where I ever really had doubt about that one. Welcome on now. Managing editor for UGASports.com. I'm going to call him a friend of the program. It is Anthony Dasher. Anthony, how are you, brother? Hey, Chuck, I am doing well, my friend. A uh, couple of questions, and then we'll dive into some of the minutiae. First of all, uh, did it unfold as a, you know, half-red, half-blue stadium? What was the 50-50? Because I had been told leading up to the game that there were not only a lot of Florida fans bailing, but there were some Georgia fans bailing as well. Because the quote, I had, I had a Georgia fan tell me, game's not big enough this year. Ah, it was it was fifty fifty. Uh, I think right at the beginning, it and it was full to capacity. But uh, and it was about that way uh, up until about the two twenty two mark, whatever it was, that left in the second quarter when Georgia had that defense uh, just exploding oh, yeah. and resulting in the three touchdowns. And about that point, about halftime, uh, you started seeing the. The blue and orange start to file out of uh, you know, TIA Bank Field. All right, Anthony, there's so much more we'll talk about, and I swear we'll get to as much as we have time for. But um, in a game that was clearly in hand, where Kirby had gone out of his way to speak about JT Daniels, um, yeah. why didn't JT Daniels make an appearance in any, in any form? Uh, well, that is uh, kind of uh, the big question. Uh, you know, he'd been asked about JT by the media, gosh, every, you know, all, all season long. Being out there, and I myself, you know, thought he would get the call. Uh, but to answer your question, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, Coach certainly has his reasons. I don't think it's because of an additional injury. People have asked me if it's disciplinary. No, that's not the case. If it was disciplinary, he not, would not have been working with the first team uh, last week with Stetson. So, so I don't know. Coach talked a lot after the game about just wanting to have that continuity uh, with the offense. But uh, I get it. You no, know, I get it. You know, Georgia's up. You know, you know, twenty-seven to. You no, know, nothing, and, and no JT yet. But uh, that's just something. Uh, I, I guess uh, coaches are just going to kind of keep it themselves right now. But I, I keep hearing there was a reason. We just don't know what it is right now. All right, well, let's talk about some of the positives. And, and by golly, I want to talk about Zamir White, and I want to celebrate that young man because oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. give you a quote from a Jordan. Now, this was a couple of weeks back, but I was like, why didn't Zamir get more love from the fans? And it was, you know, he's not explosive, blah, blah, blah. The quote was, I've watched him run into piles for three years. Um, I think that when he leaves, he is going to have more yards and more touchdowns and play more ball and tough yards inside and more starts than any Georgia running back that no one talks about. I mean, he is about as anonymous as it gets. He is, uh, and that's, a, and that's one, one tough son of a gun. I mean, he, he loves contact. He loves, uh, you know, putting his head down and putting his pads down and trying to run over people, and that's what we saw you know, against the Gators. Now, he wound up having the first 100-yard game for a Georgia back this year, and uh, and he's got better speed, and I think people want to give him credit for it. And, uh, I know I know one thing, you know, we had that 42-yard touchdown, touchdown run. There weren't many Gators trying to get in his way when that happened. They, uh, he's, a, he's a force, there's no question about that. 
Uh, talk specifically about the defense and the oh. challenge of Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, some I'll talk about a little later in the show, Anthony, but um, Florida fans, you got your wish. Anthony Richardson got the yeah. start, and um, you see that kid's talent, and it was completely neutralized yeah. by the Georgia defense. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. He's one of the most athletic, you know, looking at you no know, TVs that I've seen in a few years. But Georgia's defense, again, it just it's it just this good. They're going to make a lot of quarterbacks, you know, look kind of look kind of sketchy, and, that, and that's what happened. Uh, you know, I've been covering this team, you know, over over twenty twenty years now, and you know, while Georgia certainly had some some great individual defensive players, you know, you know Richard Seymour, Marcus Stroud, David Pollock, you know, Davis, for example. I mean. Uh, as a unit, this front seven, with the depth they've got, it's, it's, the, it's the best I've seen this team have, program have, and, and they're just flat out getting it done. I and mean, what we saw again toward the end of the second half was just was really just kind of mind-blowing. I mean, to, to see them you know, take, just kind of really just literally take the ball into their own hands. Uh, and Nolan Smith with that with strip and recovery. I mean, the Kobe Dean's, uh, you know, pick six. I mean, those are just, just game-changing plays that these guys have been making all year long. And it was a, just a classic example, I think, this past Saturday, how good this unit really is. All right. No, you and I do not play. We don't coach. So that means we can look ahead. Um, Missouri, their defense is – that's the entire game. Their defense doesn't even put up resistance to average teams. Yeah. There you go. At Tennessee. Now, that'll be fun, and they'll get pressured in a specific way. We know what that way is. But Georgia, again, that'll be interesting. But still, they're way better than Tennessee. Charleston Southern, Georgia Tech. Um, how does Kirby and maybe the staff, the upperclassmen, Anthony, where does it come from that they that the players don't – start doing what you and I just did? Well, they, they know what's at stake. I mean, they, they will not talk about it. They will, you know, you only heard Kirby Smart mention playoffs or SEC championship yet, but these guys know what they have to play for. And, uh, you know, I know it's cliche and about teams being focused, you know, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's just a different vibe I get, you know, with this team talking to these guys, they are as, uh, as locked in, I think, as, as any team you're going to find. So I, I just, I would be totally stunned to see them looking ahead, looking past any team on the schedule. It, it's all about a trajectory. They talk about this every single week, wanting to get a little better every, you know, every week they play, and, to, and it reaches that crescendo, whatever you want to call it, there at the end of the year. So I don't think you're going to see a problem with that. It's a team that knows what's at stake. They know what it wants, and they're going to keep getting better, I do believe. The last thing for you, and I mean, this is such a just a business-like conversation here following a, a, a cocktail party, for gosh sakes. Um, <laughs> Georgia exits Jacksonville health-wise. Just give us a quick flyover. Uh, seems pretty good. I know, uh, you know, Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint seemed to have uh, some, some cramp issues going on. I believe that's one of those. We'll get some, you know, update from Coach Bart here, here shortly, but uh, – as I know, seemed to be pretty healthy. There were no guys, uh, you know, limping, you know, during the game afterwards or anything like that. So they seem to be in pretty good shape. Uh, one guy I just want you to highlight a little bit. Um, just talk about Trayvon Walker because I don't think most people realize yeah. that he starts. It's not Jalen Carter. Everybody, <laughs> oh, Davis and Carter and Wyatt. And I'm like, they may all go in the top 20 yeah. for all. No, Trayvon Walker starts and plays well. Just shine a light on him for a second. Yeah. You know, we asked Latavius Brini about him last week and, uh, I think three times he used the word freak to describe him. Uh, you remember Trayvon? He was a heck of a basketball player in high school. He's talking about a guy what six foot five, two hundred seventy five, two hundred eighty pounds. Was on kickoff on kickoff coverage, you know, for this team. It was just a, a freight train, you know, on, on that 
on that with that special teams role. But and we saw the tip he had last week, and it resulted in the, in the pick by Nolan Smith. But just he's, the guy is just all over the place, extremely physical. He's one of the vocal leaders of this defense. And you're right. I mean, people talk about the front seven. They, first ones they mentioned are Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter. And Devontae Watt, but uh, Trayvon Walker is a special, special player, and uh, and we're seeing that right now. All right, last thing i got to ask you, um, and it's supposed to happen this way, and, and I haven't heard the uh, whispers yet, but, I mean, it's November now. Um, when programs are looking for their next head coach, the playbook, Anthony, is, all right, well, who's winning titles? Let's go get their coordinators. Um, Dan Lanning, there's been a lot of attention on him this season. Munkin, not as much. Um, do you anticipate anybody to come calling for Georgia's coordinators? Yeah, I do. I mean, you, you can't. I mean, that's just what happens. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. One, you know, if an NFL team wants to start talking to, to Todd Munkin, for example. But yeah, Dan Lanning, for sure. I think we'll have an opportunity. Uh, I think you'll have a, be able to, to maybe pick from certain spots. I think Bill McGee is going to have a, a great opportunity, perhaps down to Georgia Southern uh, for that open up position. You know, right now. But that's what happens with a successful program. People want to, to, to get your coaches, and uh, we've seen, you know. I don't know how many times over the years at Alabama and when Georgia now is having that set, you know, somewhat similar success. Uh, you want to see the thing, same thing happen in Athens. Oh, yeah. And and uh, can I get just a quick comment from you about Del McGee? He's a fine running backs coach, I promise. That yeah. ain't why he's on staff. Um, he may be a top three, top five recruiter in America as an individual coach. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, three or four years ago, Rivals.com had him as a top recruiter in the country. I mean, okay. he's seen you know, all the running backs he's wanted to bring in, you know, over, over the, over yeah. the past, uh, past few seasons and what he's done this year with uh, the guys they've got committed. So, yeah, no no doubt. His, his strength is recruiting, but uh, he's, all, he's, 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 I think, he's a better coach than people give him credit for as, as a whole as well. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate it as always, Anthony. Thank you, man. My pleasure. All right, Anthony Dasher again, UGSports.com. That is one thing that happens with a running backs coach, and then depending on the offense, maybe the wide receivers coach, this is going to be a disrespectful term, but it's what's used. Uh, you got to hide a coach. Now, it's possible that you are a running backs or wide receivers coach, and you're a really, really, really good coach. But those are positions, and I've said running back coach, you're no matter what you are, okay, you're the John Wooden of running backs coaches. Because the position is so instinctive, you're never going to get the credit that there's. I don't. I've never heard of an innovative running back coach, um, and so that's where Dell is. And in fact, he is so valued. Here, I, I'm going to coach running backs, and there's a lot more that I'm going to leave out. Run to daylight. All right, I've done my job. Um, there's a lot more to it, but when you have a great back, what are you telling Travion Hinton? I don't even know who the Ohio State running backs coach is. What are you telling Travion Henderson? You know what I'm telling him? I'm, run to daylight. Keep doing it, son. Well, here's what I'm telling him. Good job, Travion. That's a running backs coach in a lot of cases. Dell wouldn't even come home. That's how valued he is. He's an Auburn guy. He wouldn't even come home when they came calling. Uh, speaking of Auburn, they get credit. Uh, I have, and I always say that, you know, we talk about, you know, the winners on Mondays and then with some rare exceptions like LSU a couple of Mondays back, we talked, even though, you know, they had fired their coach. Um, that's the story. Um, we'll talk a little Florida a little later today because it's big enough. Coming up uh, next, we're going to have a good friend, uh, Jordan Hill on uh, from OA News talking Auburn after they got 
not only a big win at home, but it's how they went about it because this is not just flash and dash and, you know, a light show and, oh, where's the football? Oh, Reggie Fish has it. Um, that's not really what this is. Um, it's a better product, and they're continuing to get good wins. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show you talk about a crossroads moment Dan, wasn't it against Georgia State of all teams that Bo Nix got himself yanked? T.J. Finley comes off the bench and throws that touchdown pass? Those are facts, as the kids say. All right, you t- a season at the crossroads. There is one giant difference right now between the offensive quarterback spot that Brian Harson finds himself in and the same in Gainesville, Florida, and I'll just use that as an example. Do you know what the biggest difference is? Now Dan Mullen has pulled both his starters. When you when you pull your starter and you commit, we're going to go to the backup. That's why coaches are usually a week or two later than fans want it because they realize, all right, once I make this move, if I pull the the, the new starter, now we got nothing. Brian Harson was supposed to pull Bo Nix. He was supposed to start T.J. Finley. It, it it was supposed to happen, and the way he handled that, it has played a huge role and the the direction that the season has sort of taken since then. I want to welcome on now a guy that we always love catching up to when it comes to talking Auburn football. Again, there's a lot of great guests we can have on, but we always love catching up with Jordan Hill. Um, and again, we got uh, this in our past. I'm an alumni of the OA News, and that's where you can read him every single day. Jordan, how are you today? Doing great, Chuck. Just getting ready for what what looks like it's going to be a wild November for Auburn football. Yeah, let's go back before we we go forward um, to to Saturday's game. Let's go back to that Georgia State week leading into LSU. Um, it was all about practice, I guess. Brian Harson said, and that that's where he was going to you know let guys reestablish, and and that's where Bo took control. And then we saw some of the outcome, you know, backyard Bo against LSU. Um, go back to that week, and if you can, remind us of just some of the conversation and the feel around what was going on because, I mean, this was almost a biblically written, he will be the Auburn quarterback, uh, and then it was all kind of up in the air for a few days. Yeah, I know it was wild, and, you know, it, it uh, obviously doesn't help from the perspective that, you know, we couldn't watch practice or anything like that. But, I mean, coming out of that Georgia State win, you know, T.J. Finley leads that last drive, and, and they escape. What a lot of people really felt like had Auburn lost, that might have been the worst loss in program history to a Georgia State team. Uh, And, you know, Brian Harson basically said that it was going to come down to practice and how everybody handled it. And, you know, like you were saying right there, Chuck, credit to to Brian Harson for letting it play out. I think a lot of credit, too, goes to Bo Nix, who, you know, in the time that he's been at Auburn, he's kind of repeated the mantra that he's a competitor. And, you know, as much as that might be kind of coach talk, you know, he's the son of a coach, son of Patrick Nix, who played at Auburn. Um, I think that week kind of showed you that that was truly the case, that I think he realized that his job was very much in jeopardy. If he came out there and if he sulked or if he, you know, didn't have a great week, I mean, all, all indications were that TJ had a chance, 
you know, if he if he outplayed Boder in practice yep. and looked sharper, um, TJ could have got that start. And um, credit to Bo. I mean, he uh, he didn't let uh, a really poor showing against Georgia State hold him down. And it just it's so crazy to think that that was you know just a little bit over a month ago. How how drastically things have changed. You know, Bo is playing. I truly think the best football of his career right now. And Auburn has a very realistic shot where we're standing right now. If they're able to take care of business over the next, you know, three or four weeks, uh, that that game against Alabama, that Iron Bowl, will have a you know a seat in Atlanta on the line. And uh, I can tell you, coming out of that Georgia State game, I and no one else covering this team thought that that was going to be a real possibility. All right, well, let's talk about who he throws it to. And it's it's I mean, the indications had been there, maybe back as far as Penn State. Um, Kobe Hudson's the guy, and he's going to grow into that even more. Um, talk about the sophomore and just really where he is right now yeah I think he's made tremendous strides and he has been a guy that Auburn has needed I mean the consistency from the group uh, hadn't been lacking for a while and and even as the rest of the group kind of struggled Kobe had become the guy that was the the guy you could count on And, and that was something that even going back to the start of the year, you know, we had so many questions about who that guy was going to be. And, you know, even some of the people that we thought would have a, a real legitimate shot at it hasn't really, you know, haven't really played very big roles like Xavion Capers, Elijah Canyon. A lot of credit goes to Kobe Hudson. He um, was really one of the more experienced guys coming into this year, but he was just a sophomore. I mean, he, he played in spurts last year, and, and uh, you know, his numbers were pretty minimal. Uh, didn't get the ball a lot, but uh, he's done a very good job uh, of catching uh, and, and being reliable. And, um, you know, I think that's really – for a guy that's still pretty young, you got to be impressed with how he's played. Absolutely. And, and, and coming, you know, off this old Miss game, uh, I feel like kind of quietly he wound up leading the team in receptions. He had six for 79 yards. Um, he, he's definitely a guy that has made the most of this opportunity because we knew coming in this year there was a really good chance for someone to kind of break out. And uh, Kobe's done it. And, uh, you know, without him, um, you're re- really looking at a, a pretty suspect passing game. And uh, he, he's done a very good job of, of making the most of this moment. A couple more minutes with Jordan Hill from the OA News. Uh, Auburn with a 31-20 win at home against Ole Miss. All right, uh, Jordan, I'm of the opinion, and I think we saw this played out for a few weeks in a row. I'm of the opinion, and I'll just use Georgia State because it happened to be the team. Even, quote, a team like Georgia State, I think any defense – can look at a great running back and go, all right, that ain't happening today. Now, how vulnerable you are left in other areas, the back end, downfield, et cetera. But I think it's possible for any defense to really at least limit a great running back. And we saw that happen for like three, four weeks in a row with Tank. Um, he broke out against Ole Miss. Talk about why that happened. Yeah, you know, that was the big question, especially coming off two weeks before that, that Arkansas game, that Arkansas run defense had struggled. And there were spurts, but it still didn't look like, you know, the tank we were kind of expecting. You know, a lot of credit, I think, goes to the offensive line. It was funny, after the fact, we talked to Brandon Council, one of the starting offensive guards, and he was like, I told you guys, I told you guys we were getting ready for a game like this. You know, I feel like, you know, coming in against a three-man front like Ole Miss, I think they realize, you know, this is going to be a really good opportunity. And I think... Yeah, I'd have to think, and especially from what uh, Council kind of talked about after the game, 
Um, but they kind of put that emphasis on, look, you know, since Bobo's gotten here and, and the few times we've gotten to talk to him, he has stressed we're going to be downhill, we're going to be, you know, north and south, we're going to run hard. Um, and there's been no spurts, but like you said, I mean, there was a string of three or four games there where um, it was really more Bo Nix airing it out that was getting the, uh, yep. the job done on offense. Um, but I think that they realized this was a really good opportunity against a suspect old Miss defense, um, and they took advantage. Now the question is, are we going to see that continue? I mean, the, the challenge ahead is not going to get easier as far as the defenses are going to go uh, up against, but you know, I think that this is probably um, a really good chance to be a boost for Tank Bigsby. He's had those moments, um, but I, I think that his sophomore season has been a little bit of a disappointment. Now it's not all just on him. I mean, obviously the guys up front um, have to help him and, and give him holes uh, to hit. Um, but but that was definitely something to see him you know reel off 141 rushing yards um, and get back in the end zone. That could be a big boost uh, for what's coming up. Now, the last thing, if we, just another minute, I want to talk defense quickly because while we've, I wanted to had to talk Bo and Tank's return and all this, you know, back to big numbers. Uh, but if you score 31, if you told me you scored 31 against Ole Miss, I would think, well, that was good enough. But I don't know what that equals. I don't. Did you win? Did you lose? Jordan, if you told me, hey, we played Ole Miss and only gave up 20, I'm like, you won. Um, that, to me, is the story. You gave up 20. And Matt Corral, 100%, whatever, that's their problem. Um, it was good. It wasn't dynamic. It was good. It wasn't Heisman finalist Matt Corral. Um, that, and then the, the defense on fourth downs, especially, all in the red zone. Holy smokes, what a night from the Auburn defense. Oh, they did great. And and kind of jumping off the point you just made, if you had told me, yeah, Auburn's going to score three points in the second half against Ole Miss, I'd be like, well, no, I don't think that's going to get the job done. Credit to the defense. they uh, yep. and, you, and, you know, that's coming off of a, a very good first half from the Auburn offense. But it was bend but don't break. I mean, there were a few drives there late where Ole Miss had every opportunity. And, you know, the the talk about this Ole Miss team week in and week out is, oh, they like to go for it on fourth downs. Well, they did it, and uh, they just, you know, I think they went one for four on fourth downs and, you know, gave up nine points or nine potential points on what could have been pretty makeable field goals. And, well, you lose by 11. I mean, that, that rings pretty loud uh, at the end of the game. The defense did a great job, uh, made sure, again, like you said, uh, you know, Corral wasn't 100%, but that's the name of the game, especially at this point in the year. Um, nobody, for the most part, 100%. Yeah. You're just trying to fight through it. Um, very impressed with this defense. Very impressed with um, what we continue to see, really good second-half adjustments from Derek Mason and the rest of the defensive staff. Uh, it was very impressive to see them be, be able to slow down Ole Miss like that. If I could ask just real quick, um, just maybe even a name, who do you think has been the best corner in coverage? It was supposed to be Roger McCreary, but who has it actually been? Has it been McCreary? Because they've had some, they've had some issues, but they appear to be getting a little better. Well, Roger has been really impressive. I've also really liked what I've seen from Jalen Simpson, who they've had kind of step up. And, and he wound up making a really big pick uh, in that game that was one of the really last chances where you saw Ole Miss, you really saw Ole Miss had a chance to try to come back. Uh, you know, Corral yeah. uh, got flush and looked like, all right, you know, he, he threw a dime to the end zone. And there was a guy there, but Jalen made a really good read on it. Um, so I'd say both of those guys, I think that uh, they've done a pretty good job um, stepping up. And, and there's been some pass plays given up, but uh, I think both of those guys have done a pretty good job through most of the year. Jordan Hill, appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. 
Always, Chuck. Appreciate it. All right. Follow this man on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill, and you'll get all the important Auburn news possible. Roger McCreary is a really talented guy. And because it has been so fits and starts spotty as far as downfield coverage, he may still be the best in coverage. Uh, and then, like I said, they do appear to be getting better, but they it, it hasn't been consistently good. And now that it's November and you look up and at least the math works. The math works. Now, the math works because it's Monday. I don't know if the math will work Saturday night. I don't know if after they play Texas A&M, the math works. I don't know if they play the Iron Bowl, the math works. I, I don't know any of that stuff. But all of that isn't today. Today you look at it and go, all right, well, the math, work, math works. And by the, if you get to November, it was a couple of years ago. Wasn't it November when Georgia was going up to Lexington? And we talked from the Kentucky. I was like, folks, it's November. The math works for Kentucky, so this is a real conversation. Uh, oh, by the way, the math doesn't work for anybody in the East anymore. In fact, I want to say, yeah, it's done. Uh, Georgia with them winning and Kentucky losing and it wasn't going to matter anyway but it's done now because um, two losses and then head to head what up Dan technically it's a share but because Georgia beat Kentucky head to head they would win the tiebreaker how so if Georgia happens to lose to Missouri and who Tennessee Tennessee if they lose to Missouri and Tennessee we play this out and Kentucky doesn't lose again then they share but Georgia would still go to Atlanta because of the tiebreaker okay I think we're all up to date on the likely scenarios uh we're gonna break wrap up our one next Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. If you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting. Okay? I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because they got good players. Kirby, postgame Saturday. And... A question to him. I don't know who asked it. And I don't know if he was instructed to ask it. Uh, I don't know who asked it, but Kirby's the question was, how important is recruiting to the sort of results we're seeing on Saturdays from you? He's like, it's everything. He says, everything. If you don't recruit, you ain't going to win. Get out players. Yes, our our Dan Lanning does a good job. And Dan Lanning is going to get hired to be head coach at someplace that will – who's going to fire – like Colorado State may fire Steve Adazio. TCU, wow, wow, how did that happen? Wow, I'm gonna t- I can say it now because he ain't the coach anymore. I was told what year did they play in the Chick Fil A Bowl? Uh, then they beat Ole Miss like a hundred fourteen season. A whole bunch to not enough. Killed them, crushed them. I was talking to somebody, so that's gonna be like six, seven years ago now. But it hadn't changed, and I was like, why is he still coaching in Fort Worth? Why is he still there? I had a sit down, but just like over Chick-fil-A before the game, about a half hour conversation. And Dan, you can tell me if you've ever heard anything contrary or it supports. It says it's different with him. First of all, he's a different guy, but he has like business and community quote roots. That's just where he's going to be that the TCU and it's not like Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech. I used to say coach and program. It's a perfect marriage that specifically 
connections and relationships, both business and whatever, that, man, he was just, he was rooted into Fort Worth, and it wasn't quite as simple as, oh, he's winning for the Horned Frogs. Well, let's have him coach the Gators, that that wasn't it. Well, that's all done now. And he's never had a reputation as a warm fuzzy, has he? Yeah, he is. Um, in fact, they won that day. by They beat Ole Miss that day. I'm trying to remember what it was. A whole lot, as, I, as I'm trying to recall. And he wasn't even a good mood postgame. Oh, he had mistakes. You know what you do? After a win, I'm like, what's the way you work, dude? And, and do you know where I'll give you a berth? If it's after a win on October 26th, it's after a 30-point win, and you realize, yeah, we got another conference game and then a bye and then our big rivalry game for the division. Do you know what you say on October 23rd or whatever after the game? We've got big problems we got to fix. Like Lane Kiffin. Wasn't it week three or so when they scored 100 points, and he was like, well, yeah, I'm glad we won. To the sideline reporter. I'm glad we won, but we played literally as bad a defense as was possible to play. That's because it was week three. Folks, this was after the bowl game. Like, this team will never be together again, and he's out there going, and we've got to get better on the back end. I'm like, well, this guy is going to be selling insurance, and this guy's going to be in the NFL, and this guy's going to transfer to Cincinnati. What do you mean? Well, you like he, well, What's the way you work, dude? And so, done. And I think that's a good job. I want to go back. Was Dennis Francione the coach before then? That's who really got this thing started. All right. If we go back in time, and somebody I, not, I, can't, I will say, I do not know Pat Sullivan. I never knew Pat Sullivan. I met Pat Sullivan and got to talk to him, the former Auburn Heisman winning quarterback who was an OC, hither and yon. But he was the head coach at Texas Christian. Maybe mid-90s. They had an offer. They had an offer. And the program was as low as it had been. Dennis Francione, LaDainian Tomlinson, and that ain't the case anymore. Pat Sullivan, he might have kind of been at, out of coaching after that. I'm, I, I'm not going to swear to that, but he might have been. They went from that to the next coach got hired away by Alabama. Now, the truth is, the folks in Tuscaloosa at that time, they weren't forthcoming with Dennis Francione. Because <laughs> Dennis Francione, remember, he didn't get fired from Alabama. He left. He showed up and he was like, wait a minute. This is way worse than y'all told me from the NCAA. Wait a minute. None of this is true. He's like, Phew, he's gone. TCU was an awful program. They were the program that the Southwest Conference members looked at and it's like, yeah, you're not getting into the new neighborhood. Like you got grandfathered into the Southwest. That was TCU. They were set adrift. They were putting that little basket and shoved out into the river. And now TCU is back and power five as long as Big 12 or whatever. And they need a new coach, and it's a good program. And so hopefully they'll have the financial resources to do that. I don't know that. I know SMU, they got, they got the $80 million on the pallet. I don't know about TCU. But uh, that's what's going on. That's a really good job to have. What up, Dan? Not much. Uh, you know, the other part of it as well is a little one of those where you make a move, somebody else makes a move kind of deal or in some Texas cases. Tech. Well, not only that, but it's also as well at Texas A&M with Ross Bjork saying, hmm, 
I'm starting to hear rumbles over there in Baton Rouge that they're not very happy with their head coach. So, uh, Jimbo, uh, Jimmy Sexton, let's talk contract extension. Let's do that. UTSA, I don't know if you caught this, did the same thing with Jeff Trailer, who has deep roots in the state of Texas. Gilmer High School, one of the best high schools in the entire state there in the East Texas part of the state of Texas. And there, he was I, I, there. there. There is no place in America, including Florida, Georgia, California, where being a, quote, high school legend carries more weight. Ask Art Wasn't Bryles. Art Bryles, yeah. yeah. Ask Art Bryles. I mean, Chad Morris, yeah. I think even did Gus for a time coach in Texas. Plus the Dodge family, wasn't that? Uh... And then Riley Dodge is still the head coach right. at uh, South Lake Carroll. So, yeah, your point exactly proven. But in this case right here, that's exactly a very smart and forward-thinking AD there at UTSA who probably was thinking to himself, we're pretty good here. And if we're pretty good here, somebody's going to look at us because they're going to say, ah, if you can win playing inside the Alamo Dome and with very little facilities, what can you do with our facilities and our money? So we're going to make you our head coach. And that's exactly what they're doing. Ten years to the tune of uh, $25 million, I believe, to keep him there through uh, 2031. That's not necessarily going to scare away that's Texas Tech. That's though. It shows the commitment that they are able that's to make. That's what they're able to do. Exactly. Fair enough. And then the same thing with TCU as well. You're exactly right. Still a good job because you're still close enough to the winning that they had. And it's also, too, you're not far enough gone where you have to completely get in there in the cookie bag and have to make this thing from scratch and be able to try to build this thing back. You can still win there. I can't necessarily say the same thing at Texas Tech because a buddy of mine I talked with this weekend, I just flat out asked him, I said, what is wrong with Texas Tech? He goes, want me to be honest with you? I said, always, of course. He said, it is the administration and it is the board of trustees who just cannot get out of their own way of exactly what they want. We want the guy who is going to be all morals. We want the guy who's going to win. Why can't we have both? They can't make a decision. That's why right now you give me the two on the balancing scale right now, TCU, Fort Worth, way above going to Lubbock right now and trying to win. Real quick, uh, I know SMU is a smarty pants school a little bit. What about TCU? Is that more attainable degree-wise? It's a little bit more attainable. It's 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 pretty much but thought still, of. Is it still a fine school, though? It's, a, it's still a fine school, but it's thought of in the state okay, of. I, yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not elitist about that. We have plenty of just perfectly fine, giant public state schools, and then we have places like Dartmouth and Northwestern. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.